Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome to Off The Bench. Yes, a big good afternoon and welcome to Off The Bench for your Friday Arvo. And I cut a lonely figure in the studio today. There is no Paul Hazelby with me, but he is with us. He's just all the way over in the City of Churches ahead of the EJ Witten Legends game later on tonight. Paul Hazelby, the four-time Ross Glendinning medalist, 2003 All-Australian and NAB Rising star winner. Welcome, Hayes. How is Adelaide? Mate, it's raining, non-stop rain since I've got here, and I'm going to put it all on the line tonight. You mentioned some of the accolades. I'm going to show why I got some of those accolades. Can't <laughs> wait for it. But the conditions probably suit me, Ben, because I haven't done too much work coming into this. It's going to slow the game down, and if you remember my playing style, I didn't mind the wet game, so I'm pretty happy with it. Do you want me to call you Duck? Is that what you're saying, Hayes? you think that you were a wet weather specialist back in your playing days? I certainly wasn't a specialist, but I was pretty slow, and if it became quite wet, the game slowed down, and I was able to have a little bit more influence than when it was a very quick game. Not sure how it would go in today's game, Ben. It's pretty quick. Well, you know that uh, I have a reasonable relationship with Malcolm Blight, who is your coach tonight. I've put in a few calls to him just to look after you, make sure he starts you on the bench, then gets you out there, maybe in a forward pocket, and he can kick a couple of snags. What do you think? I saw him yesterday and had a few words to him. I said, mate, I'm best played off the bench. I was an all-Australian bench player, so that's where I want to start. I want to come on for some quick bursts, maybe two- to three-minute bursts, and then back on the bench. That's modern-day footy, isn't it? They only get Mm. out there for a little bit. They rest up. They come back out. That's what I'm looking forward to doing, Ben. I'll tell you what, actually. I caught up with Daniel Kerr a few weeks ago, and I don't mean to name drop, so I hope it doesn't seem like that. But it it was at a a function that I was hosting, and he actually made the point that the year he finished second in the Brownlow Medal, to Ben Cousins, Peter Sumich came to the club and had the really strong idea that he wanted him to play five minutes on the ground and then spend five minutes off and be a real burst player. And Curry said he spent the whole year sucking about the fact that he was on and off and on and off, and he really didn't like it, but he probably had his best season at AFL, AFL level as a result of that. So uh, as you were alluding to there, Hayes, uh, the players do come on and off pretty frequently in modern-day footy, but... How is it over there? I know you had a little bit of a function with some of the uh, the other players that are playing tomorrow night, last night. So how was it to catch up with a lot of your old uh, peers, I guess? It was fantastic. We had a strategy meeting last night that went to about 1 or 2 in the morning. That's how keen we are on this Dedicated. game. We're taking it very seriously. We had the whiteboards out going through it. There's a bit of music playing in the background. There were no whiteboards, but, uh, were there? No, there was no whiteboard. There's not much strategy either. We were just reminiscing of the good old days and talking about what we're going to try and do tonight. But uh, it is great to catch up with some of those former teammates, but also mm. players from other teams that you don't get a chance to mix with. And this is now my third EJ Witten Legends game, and you start to build some friendships over that time, and you always look forward to get together, particularly the night before you get in town, all the All-Stars or the Allies players that come from a lot of the other states. It's a, it's a great build-up to it, and it's also a great cause. So whilst we're going to have a bit of fun, hopefully we can raise some money too. Who was the best to catch up with last night? I love Richard Champion. I don't know if you remember him, but played for the Brisbane Lions. He's on radio over there, does a bit of TV work, but uh, a really nice guy. Always good to uh, spend some time with him the night before. Caught up with Sean McManus this morning as well, so he's in town. He's brought his boys over. A lot of the players are now bringing their family members over as well. The AFL flying a lot of their families in. 
Oh, well, you should have got on that little junket there as well, Hayes. We've got a lot to get through in the next couple of hours. Not far away from game time for you. We'll catch up with Mitch Cleary, get the latest on a lot of big stories. The silly season well and truly underway. Nick Kyrgios embroiled in another scandal over at the US Open. We've got the DIG, the AFLPA Awards, the All-Australian Awards, and much more here on Off the Bench for your Friday Arvo. You're listening to Off the Bench. Great to have you with us on this Friday afternoon. And Paul Hazelby, the silly season is well and truly underway, isn't it? And it is getting sillier by the year with the advent of free agency and uh, the big bucks that are thrown around nowadays. So I thought we'd better check in with newsman from AFL.com.au. His name is Mitch Cleary. He's a good friend of the show here on Off the Bench, and he joins us. G'day, Mitch. G'day, Benny Hayes. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the Lockie Neal news, which is the biggest news here in the West. It was a, a bolt out of the blue yesterday morning when the story broke that perhaps Lockie Neal is being courted by Brisbane and his camp is open to the move. Yeah, who would have thought it? A South Australian boy who moved to WA would be entertaining an offer to move to Brisbane. It just shows how far the competition has come. He's got no real links to Brisbane, but um, as we understand it, they're coming with a pretty big offer to try and uh, pull him out of the Dockers. And, um, you know, although we think the Dockers might be able to stand in their way, it's almost a little bit of double dealing because uh, clearly in recent years, the Dockers have gone after contracted players themselves. I just want to know, with Ross Lyon under contract himself for the next couple of seasons, it all goes on the line for him next year. Hayes, I just can't see Ross Lyon giving up one of his star on bowlers for potentially one of the King Twins who will be far from developed next year. They'll be you know, into their prime in, in four or five years' time. Why would the Dockers want to give up Lockie Neal uh, when such an important season looming in 2019? They wouldn't want to give him up, and that's the answer to that one. But I think if they are realistic about it, if he goes, does another 12 months with the Fremantle Dockers, he then becomes a free agent next year. And if he wants out yeah. then, they're probably not going to be in a position of power like they are right now. So do you see this as a bit of a trend, Mitch, going forward, that clubs will start to target players before they become free agents? Yeah, it's even got its own little name now. It's called pre-agency, hey? So it looks like Dylan <laughs> Shield is in a similar boat at the Giants. Um, you know, maybe Dylan Shield this year, he can avoid... The Giants can look to avoid what happened with Buddy Franklin and Hawthorne, whereas if the Giants next year have Dylan Shield on their list and he leaves as a free agent, you know, they finish second on the ladder, they might have pick 17, they might get compensated with pick 18. Bring that forward a year, and Dylan Shield might be able to net the club two first-round picks. So... You're essentially getting double the value, getting the player and the money that Dylan Shield is on off your books, and it might work for both parties. So, you know, similar situation potentially with Chad Wingard. The power say is a contracted player. Um, I think they would look at an offer if, if there was a big offer to come. I think it's unlikely, but you never know. And clubs are definitely targeting these guys uh, in their seventh year before they enter their eighth year as a free agent. Yesterday, Jared McVeigh re-signed with the Sydney Football Club. But what about Jake Lloyd? Are you hearing much about him? He's sort of gone under the radar. He just missed out on All-Australian. But he's uncontracted at this point in time. And there's a few clubs that are circling, in particular Gold Coast. Yeah, not too many players in that 40-man All-Australian squad that get through the season out of contract. And Jake Lloyd is one of them. He's a star. He accumulates the footy at will for the Swans and, and maybe what you're reading into it and definitely what I'm reading into it is they've locked away Jared McVeigh. Maybe there mm. is some concern from the Swans part that they need to shore up that back line because they may lose one of the key parts in that being Jake Lloyd. Definitely interest from the Gold Coast uh, with the Stuart Jew 
connection. Uh, Carlton has been raised, but they do have Cade Simpson and Sam Doherty in that uh, part of the ground. So definitely interest fighting around for Jake Moy, and why not for a player who has really um, you know, burst onto the scene in the last two years after starting his career as a rookie. Mitch, plenty of other news around, including that of Mitch McGovern, who's asked for a trade out of the Adelaide Crows. We'll discuss that when we come back. Stick with us here on Off The Bench. You're listening to Off The Bench. And newsman Mitch Cleary from AFL.com.au has been good enough to stick with us here on Off The Bench. We're talking about the silly season, trades and everything that is going on behind the scenes in the world of AFL. And Mitch, Mitch McGovern is a big one. The Fremantle Dockers, I heard Steve Rossich during the week saying that he's been speaking to his manager, but at this stage, he doesn't expect him to head west. It looks as though he'll head further east and be based out of Victoria next year. Well, usually these players leave their footy clubs and demand that it's uh, family and, and reasons to go back home, Benny. It doesn't sound like that is the case for Mitch McGovern. Clearly a cash play here. He wants out of the Adelaide Crows. He's claiming that the cultural reasons and that the environment isn't isn't right for him. But uh, clearly he's signed up at the Adelaide Crows for three years. Clubs have come calling and he's realised there's more money on offer. Carlton seems the logical choice. Uh, they were in at the AFL during the week meeting with the uh, commission to plead their case for a priority pick. If that ends up being pick 19 or 20 at the end of the first round, um, I reckon that might be the suitable deal for Mitch McGovern and it would give the Crows another um, you know, suite of picks to be able to go after potentially trading down maybe mm. to the Gold Coast for, for a Lukosius or an Isaac Rankin. So all these things are at play and um, that's only the Adelaide Crows side of things. You've got Port Adelaide with so much on their plate as well. Scott Lysett is being heavily pursued by them, still yet to come to terms with the, with the Eagles, and that looks like it's um, still a fair way away. And also, um, Jared Pollock looks like he's um, headed for North Melbourne. Do you think the Crows will make a play for the number one pick? And do you think Carlton would be happy giving away the number one pick if they were to get Adelaide's first pick, which could be around pick number seven, plus McGovern? Is that a win for both parties? It would be. I don't think the Crows need it. I reckon they may read the tea leaves on this one and go after the Gold Coast Suns, pick two, and then pick three when they get the Lynch Common says, I reckon um, from people you hear and speak to is that Carlton is set on Sam Walsh, the best midfielder in the competition. Um, not that there's a, a, a demand uh, for Lukosian and Rankin's go-home factor, but that still is in the back of the club's mind. So if they can go after the best Victorian kid who's a 200-game player, potential captain of the footy club, with pick one, maybe the Crows uh, and maybe even the Power, don't rule them out as well. Uh, if Pollock leaves and they get you know, they might have their hands on two first-rounders if they get North's first pick. I think Lukosius and Rankin and maybe the Suns might want to come to the party and uh, potentially do a deal for more first-round picks or even a mature-age player. And Mitch, just quickly as we let you go, uh, what have you heard surrounding Tim English? Because where there's smoke, there's fire generally and there's just a few whispers getting around about a potential effort from the West Coast Eagles and the Dockers to maybe try and lure him home. Yeah, I think the Eagles are trying to do what they failed to do two years ago and, and go after Tim English. He, he slipped back in the draft. He was drafted as a 19-year-old out of South Fremantle and now it's a Nick Nat situation and, and Scott Lysett um, looking more and more likely to leave. They need they need a Ruckman. Um, there's a few mature-age guys in the competition, but Tim English is one that's definitely been spoken about inside the Eagles to see if they can uh, try and lure him back home. He's contracted at the Bulldogs. It'd take a big deal to get that one done. But uh, as you said, Benny, where there's smoke, there's fire. And 
uh, when there's four or five weeks until the end of the trade period to go, um, I wouldn't rule this one out. Mitch, appreciate your time. Go well, and thanks for joining us here on Off the Bench. Thanks, boys. So Mitch Cleary from AFL.com.au joining us here on Off the Bench. When we come back, the AFLPA Awards, the All-Australian team named. We'll discuss that with Paul Hazelby, the 2003 All-Australian. You're listening to Off the Bench. And hasn't it been a US Open absolutely filled with drama, Paul Hazelby? We've had Elise Cornet taking off her top on court, receiving a code violation. And then last night, Nick Kyrgios, who is never far from uh, controversy, he was in, embroiled in it once again when he received a pep talk from the chair umpire. Now, he was down a set and three love in the second set. When the chair umpire came down, gave him a pep talk... And from there, Nick Kyrgios was able to turn it around. He won the second set, 7-5, and ended up winning in four sets. So a lot of people are unhappy with the fact that the chair umpire played quasi-coach, if you will, and was able to get Nick Kyrgios back on the bike and able to turn it around and win the match. Well, we've been telling Nick Kyrgios to get his own coach for a long time. Maybe this is what he needs. He got him in there and gave him that pep talk. He come back out. But there is a bit going around about this, isn't there? There's a lot of people mm. that aren't happy. It's not the role of the chair umpire to play that role to try and make take this game forward. But it's been an eventful opening, hasn't it, to the US Open. The Elise Cornet one, that was very disappointing. But at least they had the guts to come out and say they got it wrong. Which is fine. And that's all we ever ask of people. We all make mistakes. We all... Um you know, have misfires along our journey. And if you just own it, everyone can accept it and move on, can't they, Paul? Absolutely. I think in any sport, that's what they need to Mm. do. I think the Adelaide Crows this year made a lot of blues and all they really needed to do was come out and knock it on the head and admit they got it wrong. But they haven't done that. And that's when people start to talk and throw bombs about football clubs as well. So well done to the chair umpire and the organisation for coming out and doing it. But Nick Kyrgios, every game he plays, Mm. there's a headline for all the wrong reasons. It's interesting. I'm really fascinated by it and I'm torn by it because it it is uh, car crash television. So you're drawn to watch it because you just don't know what's going to happen. So anything could happen. But I want him to get his act together as well and play well and potentially fulfill his potential of winning a a slam or a major crown and, and getting it done. But that hasn't happened as yet. Some of the results from overnight, Hayes. Alex Dimonor had a, uh, a four-set win, so he's into the third round. Well done, Alex. Uh, he won over TFO of the USA. 6-4, 6-love, 5-7, Nick Kyrgios, as we spoke about, against Herber, won uh, in four sets. Matty Ebden went down in four to Philip Kohlschreiber. And John Millman, the Aussie, had a second-round win against Fabio Fognini. So some really good results there for the Aussie men overnight at the uh, at the US Open and a lot of those matches uh, will continue later tonight uh, or the early hours of tomorrow morning at the US Open in the Big Apple. Do you think Nick Kyrgios will ever fulfil his potential, Hayes? I think he will get there at some point in time. He's that good, isn't he, that he can still do everything wrong but still compete. And he now plays Roger Federer in the third round. And I give him a chance of beating Roger because he has a good record against him. He challenges him. He plays a stolen. One thing we do know about Nick Kyrgios, when he plays the big guns, he actually gets the most out of himself. So I'm looking forward to this next round. But I hope when he gets to the age of 24, 25, he might mature a little bit. He gets a bit fitter. And maybe a coach would help, Ben. Yeah, I think a coach would 
undoubtedly help. There you have it from Paul Hazelby. Coming up, we'll uh, we'll run through all of the AFLPA awards, which were held last night. The All-Australian team, Paul Hazelby, gives his verdict. And uh, we've got the dig to come in this first hour as well. So don't go anywhere on this Friday afternoon. It's great to have you with us. You're listening to Off The Bench. And, Paul, I was just thinking we might hold off speaking about the AFLPA Awards and the All-Australian Awards because I really want to hone in with you about this Lockie Neal news. Now, you're a former Fremantle champion. What was your reaction when you heard the news? And do you think it could work for Fremantle? Would you be open to it? Oh, look, I'd be open to it because I think they're coming from a position of strength where they could get a very good pick or maybe another player attached to that pick as well. It would probably put their rebuild back a couple of years, but that's not the worst thing. I think Ross Lyon is in a rush because he's a he's a winner. He wants to get the team back up there as quickly as possible. But I think sometimes when you're on a rebuild, you've got to do it right to get the maximum result. So going back to the draft and getting potentially two top 10 picks to go with what they got last year in the long term may be better for Fremantle, particularly if they can bring in some key position talent and there's a couple available, or there's three big names Mm. available in this year's draft that they could get. But it would be a massive loss and it would be a big slap in the face for Ross Lyon and his program down there as well. That They've been talking about this rebuild and whether it's on track, but maybe, just maybe, Lockie Neal doesn't believe in the direction of the club and the rebuild. And I can't blame him for that because I'm not sold on it either. I watch them every week and I can't say they're going to play finals footy in the next two years because of their lack of a a talented, good forward line. Yeah, and even more so than that, and we spoke to Scott Waters about this a couple of weeks ago, the thing that I don't see at the moment is drafting and recruiting for skill, so players Mm. who can kick the ball, and that obviously then translates into a a real system of attack, and the way you move the ball from defence into attack and from the middle into the attacking 50, and we're seeing none of that at the moment, Paul. So that is the biggest concern for me. And players love that attacking style as well. I remember back in 2006 when we made it to the prelim. It was built on attack. It was built on going through the corridor, taking the hard risk and, you know, just playing footy on instinct. And maybe Lockie Neal wants to go and do that. And if you do look at the Brisbane Lions and their style, they certainly bring that to the table. They leak a little bit defensively, but it's because they're all out attack. And I think that excites a lot of players. And he may be one that wants to go and play under that brand. Uh, There is a statement that was put out by Steve Rossich, the CEO of the Fremantle Dockers. He said, we don't generally comment on speculation, but Lockie Neal is a valued and respected player at our football club who is contracted for 2019 and as recently as Tuesday in a media conference expressed his positivity about the club. We are in a mode of bringing players to our football club, not trading players out. Now, you can make of that what you will, but that is the statement that was put out by Steve Rossich. Strange statement, isn't it, Ben, for the CEO to come out and actually say that we don't normally discuss this. It shows a bit of desperation for mine that they are a little bit worried about this one. They are due to meet later in the week. And also the issue is that the CEO is the list manager Mm. right now. Like We've known for a while that uh, Lloyd was looking at that job, and I'm not sure Simon Lloyd told them that he was going for the Carlton job, but surely there's somebody that can step up from within. It shouldn't go to the CEO. What background does um, Steve Rossich have in regards to being a list manager, to be fair? The one thing I would say to that is he would sit in on a lot of the list management discussions, wouldn't he? So he probably would have a fair idea through his professional time as to what goes on with the, the list management. 
This is a bit of an issue. I would mm. say Chris Bond is probably the one that should be in there. He's been at the club in the football department for a long time. Now, I'm not sure of the reasons why he's not doing that at this particular time, but it's not an ideal situation right down there at Fremantle. No, there's a few things to work through in the off-season, undoubtedly. Paul Hazelby, good job from you discussing Lockie Neal. But coming up next, we've got the dig, and we always love to go hard in the dig. So don't go anywhere. Paul Hazelby. Up next with his dig for Dial Before You Dig, the essential first step. You're listening to Off The Bench. And it's time for the dig on this Friday afternoon. Paul Hazelby loves to dig. Don't dig yourself into a hole. Lodge a free Dial Before You Dig inquiry. You can open the batting haze. What have you got for us? I'm having a dig at the West Coast Eagles hierarchy. Yesterday they announced a contract extension for their coach, Adam Simpson, who has now re-signed until the end of 2022. So he's got four years on top of this season. Now they're about to embark on a final series and he's done an amazing job. But what if they go out in straight sets in this final series? Four years is such a long time for a coach to be signed up. A lot can happen in that four years, and we've seen plenty of examples across the competition of long-term contracts and them not necessarily doing the job. Why not just a one-year contract extension, Ben? Take him to 2020. If he was going well through that period, then go again for another year. But I just think four years in advance is too much. I'd like to only see coaches signed for two years in advance. He's not going to leave. He's yeah. not going to get Was poached. he going to get poached? And- no. No, and if he thinks about leaving, then doesn't that give you the answer that he's not the right guy because he's not totally committed to this group and this style that he's probably implemented with the West Coast Eagles? I think clubs are getting it horribly wrong going for too long, and it puts them under pressure if things go wrong in the future. I like it, Hayes. A good dig there from you. I'm going to have a dig at Australian sport. Now, we are Mm. a rabble at the moment, Hayes, and I don't know what's going wrong. Maybe it's the fact that... Nowadays, we've got a society where we give out participation awards for kids who run in every race. We don't celebrate excellence like we used to and high achievement, but our Wallabies may never beat the All Blacks again. I mean, I I cannot see the Wallabies beating the All Blacks. We are (laughs) so far away from getting near them that it's not funny. Uh, The Australian cricket team is Uh. a rabble. I mean, we're losing to India B, not even India A, India B, with 10 players who have represented Australia at the highest level. So I don't know where we're at as a cricketing nation, but we're not going very well there. We've got our our two best players rubbed out for the upcoming summer. We could get poleaxed by India on home soil. It doesn't look as though we'll have any any tennis player winning a slam anytime soon. When I was a younger man, we saw um, both Leighton Hewitt and uh, Pat Rafter were challenging for slams. We had the Woodies in doubles. Now... Crickets. Nick Kyrgios is uh, is just, well, causing all sorts of dramas. Doesn't look like challenging. And then we've got everything else in sport. Our Olympic medal tally continues to seemingly fall. Where are we at as a sporting nation? A nation that prides ourselves on being tough fighters and loving getting out there and, and having a go. We're not that anymore. Oh, great dig, Ben. I love it. Absolutely agree with you. I don't know the reasons why, but we are falling behind. Do you think it may have to do with money? I know certainly with the Olympics that before the England Games, the Mm. Olympic Games, they spent a lot of money, and that's obviously taken them through the next two Olympics after that. But maybe we're not spending the money on individual sports. But in terms of the team sports where there is a lot of money invested, we're not going well. And I've got some concerns about Justin Langer and his impact right now with the Australian cricket team. It's been a nightmare start for him. It has, and it'll be a really tough summer. But I I still hold the belief that he can turn it around, and he's the right man for the job. And 
It is. I always find it interesting, and, and with all sport, Hayes, but in particular the international cricket coach, it's hard to get a gauge on what kind of job they're doing because do they have the cattle? Are our players just not as good as those from other nations at the moment? He might be doing the best possible job, but they just can't perform. You know what I mean? So it's really hard to get a gauge on what they're doing and whether they are doing a good enough job. But anyway... Uh, that I know was when the... Darren Lehman came in, Ben, mm. that uh, he had instant results. Yeah, though, that's didn't he? true. He took, off, he took over from a team that at that point weren't too happy. Justin Lang has come in, and it hasn't been just one series. We got belted over there in England, and now through the India A series, it's not going very good. It certainly isn't. Uh, yeah, a lot more to come here on Off the Bench, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Off the Bench. And just like that, we're into the second hour for your Friday afternoon here on Off the Bench. Paul Hazelby, the former Fremantle Docker, and myself, Ben Cameron. And it's award season in the AFL, Paul. And uh, we've had the AFL PA Awards, which is the MVP. And we've also had the All-Australian team name. Now, uh, Tom Mitchell was the man who took out the player-voted Most Valuable Player Award last night. What did you make of him winning it and some of the other awards? Yeah, I thought he was the right choice, Tom Mitchell. He's had an outstanding season, and a lot of the players would be recognising the work that he's doing inside the contest to get that amount of possessions across the season. He broke the record, and some of his games where he's up towards 50 disposals consistently, he certainly deserves that award. It was interesting, though, he didn't win the Coach's Award. That went to mm. Max Gorn who was voted the best player by the coaches. We also had the most courageous player, which was Callan Ward. I think we all agree with Cement the head. way that he plays. Yeah, we like the way he plays. He probably should have been that. close to all Australian as well. Best first-year player was Tim Kelly. Best captain, Trent Cotchin, voted by the players. Do you that agree with that? Well, I think he has been the best captain, given his team's up the top. I don't necessarily agree with the... His own performance this year, I, I didn't have him in my top 40 at all. I think he was lucky to get into that. He's just riding the wave of a successful team at the moment, which you'd have to say he's playing a big part because he is the captain. You can't really argue with it in the sense that it's peer voted, can you? So the players obviously believe that it is Trent Cochin who's the best leader in the AFL at the moment. Absolutely. Then we had the All-Australian team. Stewart, Rance, Laird, Hearn, McGovern, Whitfield in the back line. Gaff, Gorn, Cripps, Mitchell, Martin and Sidebottom through the middle. Dangerfield, Franklin, Gray, Gunston, Rewalt and Bruce in the forward line. And on the bench, Edwards, Grundy, Higgins and Oliver. A pretty good team. You've got to applaud all of those guys. But Shane Edwards was the interesting one for me. I thought there was a few other players that were very unlucky not to get in there. Dane Beams was one of them. Elliot Yo from the West Coast Eagles. Jack McRae averaged uh, 32 <laughs> disposals across the season and missed out. And, you know, Shane Edwards only averaged 20, Ben. I'm not sure... What more Dane Beams or Stephen Cornelio were meant to do mm. uh, to make their way into the team? Absolutely. Stephen Cornelio didn't even get in the top 40. That was a disgrace. I think we need a, a, a better panel with, with some more diversity, not just run by a lot of Victorians that only see the Victorians play because there should have been more GWS Giants included and he should have been definitely inside the top 40 and potentially inside the top 22 as well, Stephen Cornelio. The one thing that does happen each and every year, though, Hayes, is that there is debate. There's always someone who is incredibly unlucky to miss out, and the, the judging panel are always strongly criticised. So it is one of those things. I mean, it, it's like clockwork, isn't it? Death taxes and, uh, well, the All-Australian panel being strongly criticised. 
Yeah, absolutely. But given they have access to all the numbers, I just can't fathom how they came up with that result around Shane Edwards. No disrespect to Shane Edwards. He's had a great season, a really good player, but I thought there was better players that warranted selection in that team. We also had the 22 under 22 named as well, Ed Langdon and Sean Darcy, the two inclusions from the Fremantle Dockers. And interesting, none from the West Coast Eagles. Yeah, who could be in there for the West Coast Eagles? The only two that spring to mind for me are uh, uh, Tom Cole and Liam Duggan, but I'd have to check their birth certificates. I think Cole Mm. definitely is. Duggan, I'm not sure. So uh, I reckon that's probably fair enough. A lot to come here on Off the Bench WA. We've still got our eagle eye. We've got our Frio focus. Joe Georgiades to look at some of the local footy this weekend and a whole heap more here on Off the Bench WA. Great to have you with us. You're listening to Off the Bench. Paul Hazelby just limbering up in the studio ahead of the EJ Witten Legends game. Later on tonight, Paul Hazelby, if you come up with a celebration, if you're fortunate enough to kick a goal, do you think you'll go with the big penguin dive, the Deli Alley Challenge? What will you go with if you are able to kick a snag? Well, you can't pre-plan these things. I think that's when you get in trouble. You've just got to go with the emotion, the crowd. When they rise, you've got to rise with them, and the adrenaline just flows out of your body. So I can't pre-meditate what I'm going to do, Ben. I'm going to keep it a secret, but first and foremost, I've got to kick a goal. I haven't kicked a goal in one of these games before because I'm just a passer-offer sort of guy. No, no, you need to kick others into the contest. But tonight, I'm going to be greedy. If I'm around goal, I'm going to shoot. We know you're hungry, Hayes, at all times, so just kick the goal if you can. I've got a few suggestions. Maybe they're Cristiano Ronaldo statue, maybe the chainsaw, Brett Lee, a la 2003, mm-hmm. or or maybe, uh, I'm trying to think of some other celebrations. What, what about, about Tim Cahill? Yeah, maybe go the boxing kangaroo. That's not a mm. bad idea. So just have a think about it if you can. And between now and the end of Off the Bench today, I want you to, to maybe give us uh, something that you might look at, okay? Righto, mate. What that, else we got? That's my challenge to you. We've got to do the eagle eye, Hayes. So uh, let's hone in on the eagles. They've got the week off this weekend. Take on Collingwood next week. Uh, we've spoken a little bit about Adam Simpson re-signing, but for me it looks as though it is a direct passage to the grand final. I think they'll beat Collingwood. Their forward line will be too good against a depleted Collingwood back line, and uh, then I think they'll win the home prelim and they'll take on Richmond on grand final day. Gee, you're confident, aren't you? I don't think it's going to be that easy. I, you know, these, this, this final series, and as we have seen in the last couple, with the bye, it brings everybody into it and it gives everybody a chance. But they are playing some good footy. They've overcome every obstacle this year. They've lost Gaff and Dom Sheed's come in and been amazing the last few weeks. Scotty Lyson has stepped up as well. Nathan Vardy. The big question is around Josh Kennedy for me. He's got to come back into that lineup and do some damage. Can he get back to a three to four goal player that we saw from him in the early part of the season? He Definitely wasn't playing his best footy this year, so it does give them hope that um, he only needs to get to three or four goals because the forward line at the moment, Ben, is one of the best in the competition. I think the addition of Liam Ryan and Willie Rioli has just brought other players into the game because they're so dangerous and it doesn't afford the luxury to the defence of the other teams to zone off and get in front of Jack Darling and also uh, Kennedy when they're playing. Every person in that forward line can do damage and kick four on their day. And I reckon one that's just slipped under the radar in the last little while is uh, Jamie Cripps. He's mm. been tremendous over the last Absolutely. few weeks in particular. He's, he's become an important cog in that forward line. 
Yeah, I questioned how long he had left in the game when you had the inclusion of the two players that I just spoke about. But 33 goals, I think, now for the season. But his last month has been extraordinary. And, um, you know, Mark Lacroix has been such a champion. But Mark Lacroix, all of a sudden, is probably the fourth best small player in their team at the moment. So that's a good sign because we know how good Mark Lacroix has been for a long time. And I was just really tipping you into an opportunity to speak about the football factory up there in Northampton. And you've just let it go through to the keeper. So I'm not going to give a week off. I think the audience, they're sick of that. They know that Northampton's the best breeding ground. We don't have to bring it up every week, do we? No, we probably don't. Uh, We'll talk a little bit of other sport when we come back as well. There's plenty else going on. Maybe a little bit of WAFL as well because, uh, well, the Waffle Finals are ongoing. And throughout the Southwest, we have both the Albany zone and the East Perth zone. And uh, those two teams will be going at it on the weekend. We're looking forward to that. Great to have you with us. You're listening to Off The Bench. You're listening to Off The Bench. And time for a bit of a whip around as to some of the other sport that is going on at the moment. Earlier on in the week, Hayes, I think it was back on Wednesday night, it was the West Coast Fever MVP Awards. And it was taken out by their captain, Courtney Bruce, who we know is a favourite of Stacey Rossman. And, uh, or Stacey Marinkovic, the coach rather, nay Rosman. Uh, but she's taken it out, Hayes. You don't agree. With uh, nope. a grand total of zero games you've watched this year, you think it should have been Janelle Fowler? Absolutely. Janelle Fowler <laughs> broke every record there was in the Super Netball competition. She was the star of the show. We do appreciate what the defenders do, but the best players are the goal shooters in netball, and I, I think they did get it wrong. Well done to Courtney Bruce on her season. She was an outstanding captain, but I just, I, it's, it belies belief for me that they chose this way. No, I, I'm happy with it. The defenders do a great job. They get none of the shine. Uh, I, I still think that uh, I'm fascinated that with zero games watched, zero minutes throughout the season, you've uh, you've given a strong opinion on the Fever MVP. Don't say that, Ben, because I actually have watched a few quarters <laughs> here and there. And from what I saw, Janelle Fowler is the star. And well done to the Fever. They nearly went all the way. But I don't think they would have made it that far without the recruitment mm. of Janelle Fowler, who just added a different dynamic. And it's almost like a get-out-of-jail-free card when they don't have the best movement up the court, that they can make an effective pass at the end to get it to Fowler, who hardly ever missed, but broke every record. We're talking about the history of the Super mm. Netball competition, and her percentage was outstanding. I just cannot believe she didn't get that award. The thing that astounds me with Janelle Fowler is that whenever they lob it up there, it doesn't look like it's going to get to her or it's going to go out, and somehow she clunks it. She just mm. takes these miraculous catches that I, I find unbelievable. I, I, she's yeah. an unbelievable player, and I, I was being a little bit facetious with you there, but um, she is a, a rolled gold star of the competition, no doubt. Hey, we spent a bit of time last night when I got home watching England and India. Uh, England were in all sorts. Now, Jennings, uh, all sorts. Jennings was uh, trapped in front. He looked like he'd never played cricket before with the leave that caught him plumb in front. But uh, England were in all sorts, recovered to 246 all out. India, none for 19 uh, at stumps on day one. So, What's uh, the score in that series, Ben? Uh, it is 2-1 to England, if my memory serves mm. me correct. But Sam Curran, 78 of 136 balls, uh, really saved the English blushes last night. Uh, some of the other news as well. Billy Slater is out of uh, a minor premiership deciding game for the Melbourne Storm this weekend. He stayed up in Queensland for personal reasons, so he won't be there for the Storm this weekend, which is a significant blow for them when they take on 
Penrith Panthers later tonight. And Sally Pearson, she's back on track, Hayes. Now, uh, she had some serious Achilles injuries, which ruled her out of her home Commonwealth Games. But she's back training three days a week, and she's aiming to uh, to peak twice in 10 months and try and win a gold medal at the World Championships and also the Olympic Games. So uh, she's been an ornament to athletics in, in Australia, and we've spoken about the decline of sport here in Australia. Hopefully, Sally can bring us some joy. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it, for her to end her career on a positive note. Let's hope she can get through the next Olympic Games as well. But it's not easy when you do start to get some injury concerns. In that sport, you need everything with your body going right and peaking at the absolute right time. So good luck to her in the future. A lot more to come here on Off the Bench. Plus, Paul Hayes will be reviews his goal celebration for tonight. I don't want to see you dish it off, Hayes. I want you to see real hungry and uh, kicking the goal from uh, deep in the pocket or wherever you get it so you can roll out our celebration. You're listening to Off The Bench. And the Waffle Finals get underway this weekend, and we really need to give a cheerio to Jared Schofield and the Subiaco Lions, Hayes, because it is a phenomenal achievement what they've done this season. 18 and zip. They have not lost a game. They've gone through the home and away season undefeated. The first time that that has happened in the WAFL since 1946. Now, that is a fair effort by Jared Schofield and the Subiaco Lions, isn't it? Absolutely remarkable what he's been able to do with that club because they've lost some good players over the last few years, but he just gets the right ones to come in. They play his style. They work harder than any other Waffle Club and to win 18 games and have a percentage of 221% across the season is amazing. But it hasn't just been the league team either. Subiaco Mm. finished on top in the reserves and also the Colts. What a football club. They put something special together. And they haven't always been strong in the Colts and the reserves, to be honest, because they don't have a great zone. No, they don't have a great zone. And they put it together this year, and he deserves a lot of accolades, a lot of talk that he is going to go back into the AFL system. And the West Coast Eagles, I think, would be a very good fit for Jared Schofield to replace Sam Mitchell next year. I'm still not totally sure that he will go back into the AFL system. Now, he might not be at Subiaco next year, but whether he is in the AFL system wholly and solely, we'll wait and see. I I, I just think... That is still a, a potential outcome, but not totally certain as yet. And Paul Hazelby, we've got to speak about you, because uh, years ago, you laid the foundations for a premiership assault at South Fremantle, and they're starting to see the fruits of your labour, aren't they? Because South Fremantle take on West Perth this weekend for the chance to play Subi next week. I don't think people see it like you do, Ben, but uh, I did try my best down there. They won the Premiership in 2011. I took over a couple of years after that and had to rebuild the list, give some games to some youngsters who are now a big part of this team. And I think Todd Curley's come in and done a wonderful job. They missed the finals in his first season, but since then they've played in three finals. And they go into this final series... Actually, in really good form. They've got their best players out on the park, albeit they rested a few last week, but they'll all come back in. Corey Delulio, a key player for South Romano, who at his best is one of the best forward players in the competition. I think they'll be too good for West Perth. They have a great record. They've beaten them the last seven times, but they had a great contest about four weeks ago down at South Romano Oval. So it's going to be a challenge, but I think they'll get through to the next round. Okay, so you're backing South Fremantle to get their job done. 
I am, yep. I think I just got too many good players across the ground, and for that reason that West Perth haven't been able to beat them for a long time, I think teams get confidence from that when they play yep, against those sides. It's it's remarkable how many streaks you see in the AFL. Mm. I mean, they do seem to happen, and I'm a firm believer that it is a part of that self-fulfilling prophecy. You roll up, you know you play well against these guys, you know you've got their measure, you feel good, and it all just sort of... Uh, I don't want to sound too spiritual, but manifests into a, a win on that day. Uh, Claremont and East Perth. Now, you're going to divide our friends here, Hayes, because down in the southwest, there are zones for both of these teams. Who wins at Claremont Oval? Is it East Perth or is it the Tigers? I'm divided on this one. I've watched these two teams play twice this year, and Claremont were far too good. They were hard around the contest. Their tackling was outstanding. And East Perth were my biggest disappointment for the season. Every time I watched them, they just didn't have spirit. We know they were a bit divided themselves with the alignment model. But the last three weeks, they've actually put it together. And I think it has something to do with the West Coast Eagles being in the finals, that all these players know that if they keep playing well, they may just get an opportunity to get upgraded into the senior team for the AFL in the final series. And that's a great carrot. And I think for the West Coast Eagles, they would love for this team, East Perth, to continue on winning so that they can get match time into some of those players just in case they're needed later in the final series. So I'm going to switch here. Everything pointed towards Claremont, but I think they're in good spirits at the moment. Their confidence is up, and I think they're going to beat Claremont. So I'll stick with East Perth. Great work, Hayes. Now next, hopefully we'll catch up with Joe Georgiades and uh, get the update ahead of some of the local finals footy that is coming up. You're listening to Off The Bench. And it's finals time in local footy, and I thought we should check in with the oracle, the guru, the man who oversees it all. His name is Joe Georgiades. We love to speak to him at this time every week. Joe, welcome to Off The Bench. Gee, I hate it when you call me names like that, guys. I'm I'm not that great at predicting the results, so we'll see how we go today. You certainly are. Don't sell yourself short. What are we looking forward to in the finals this week? Oh, look, uh, we've got spring tomorrow, can you believe? So uh, I'm looking forward to getting out and watching some games. I'm going to be uh, in the Wheat Belt uh, game of footy in Newgate, so I'm going to be there tomorrow. Uh, we've got some good finals kicking off in uh, Upper Great... or not kicking off, Upper Great Southern. There's a prelim final tomorrow. Um, and then we've got, uh, in the southwest, we've got the first week of finals, so two big ones down there as well. Champions are made this time of year in final <laughs> series. What about some individual key players? Who do you think will step up from all the sides? Oh, look, I think Bunbury, Bunbury's playing Eaton. Um, I think Bunbury probably going to that one favourite. Um, your mate Peaky kicked 12 last mm, week. He uh, did. Um, so he's in good nick. I also think Jesse Gribble, he's uh, back to Bunbury this year. I think he'll probably stand up. He'll... The team won a flag last year without him, so he'll be wanting to get amongst the action this year. So I think he'll be a good player. Um, South Bunbury is playing Augusta Margaret River. Uh, Augusta Margaret River, the Payne boys played really well, Mitchell and Jacob, so they'll be hard to stop. I do think South Bunbury will uh, probably take this one out. Uh, they got the wobbles a bit last week against HBL, but um, you know they've got players like Guy Pickett, um, Lee, Lee Coleman, I think, is going to be really hard for Augusta Margaret River to hold down. He'll, um, he's in good form as well. What about some of the coaches? Who are some of the key coaches going around in the Great Southern League? Sorry, the Southwest. Oh, League. look, one of my mates, uh, Matty Jamison, uh, he's a good coach. He's, a, he's in Augusta Margaret River. We've got the Nani boys down at um, 
at Bunbury, yeah, so they've, um, they've had some great results last year with uh, getting the results in Bunbury. So the Nannies, um, yeah, they're, they're excellent coaches and, and great pedigree in state footy. Okay, Joe, now you asked me to introduce you as the oracle, the guru, the man who can tip all the results. I did that for you. Now, uh, who's winning in the finals this weekend? You didn't do that for the record as well. Oh, look. I'll just I'll just touch on the Onger up because we've got Boxwood Hills and and, and uh, no Anger up, so two, it's going to be a really tough game of country footy out there. So I'll go with uh, Boxwood Hills out there. It, to, in Upper Grade Southern on Sunday, we've got Williams and Boddington, so two uh, traditional rivals there. I saw Boddington play last week; they are really good. Um, re- really hard game, so I think maybe. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Boddington, I think I'll have to say, over Williams. And uh, South Bunbury, I'm going to predict them, and I'm going to go with uh, Bunbury Bulldogs as well to, to do it again. But Eaton, um, or whoever loses the Bunbury-Eaton game does have the, have the second chance next week. I don't like it at all because I love a counter mill at Williams on my way down to Albany, so they're my adopted team uh, in that competition. Good job, Joe. We'll check in with you next week as the finals continue to ramp up. Yeah, hopefully I'll get one or two of those right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Great job. There is uh, Joe Georgiades joining us here on Off the Bench with all of the news from uh, some of the local footy to take place this weekend. We'll wrap it up next. Paul Hazelby to unveil his goal celebration. You're listening to Off the Bench. And as we wrap it up, Paul Hazelby is putting it all on the line. What is going to be your celebration when you kick a goal with a huge barrel tonight? I'm going to give the double pistol, Ben, to you. I don't know if you've seen me do the double pistol throughout the year. I've been doing the Optus Stadium preview sponsored by McDonald's, and I've got my own signature move in that. I know you've seen it. I'm going to bring that out. Hopefully you see it three or four times tonight because I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to go for go. I'm going to be hungry. I would have never said that throughout my career. I love giving goals away, but tonight everything changes. I'm going for it. I just hope the weather conditions improve a little bit. Yeah, we need a we need a roof over the Adelaide Oval. The weather hasn't been good, has it, Hayes? No, it's been raining the whole time I've been here, and it's very windy, so let's hope it does go away and have a good contest. For what's a great cause tonight, lots of champions out there. I'm looking forward to playing alongside Tony Modra, my former mm. teammate from the Fremantle Dockers, superstar here in Adelaide, Sean McManus, Andrew Embley will be running around. I think Phil Matera also coming over. Some great champions from yesteryear. There certainly is, and uh, what is the, the aftermatch function or aftermatch plans? Because... I know that's something that you guys like to do to catch up and you'll be able to see one of your favourites in Adrian Fletcher, someone we all love, old Fletchy boy. Oh, we love Fletchy boy. He was a beauty throughout my time at Fremantle and still very funny and he loves coming to these events. He actually tries really hard, probably too hard in these games as does Fletchy boy. He's so competitive. But we do have an aftermatch function that we all go back to. That finishes about 2.30. A great time to reminisce and catch up with some of your former teammates and also some of your former foes. Well, that's actually got me thinking, Hayes. What is your strategy for what you delivered tonight? Because if you embarrass yourself, well, you embarrass yourself. Everyone says, <laughs> have a look at Paul Hazelby. Hasn't he lost it in a matter of six years? If you try too hard, everyone goes, settle down, champ. You're going a bit hard here, mate. It's a, it's a charity game. It's a Legends game. Just ease up. So what is going to be your approach? 
Unfortunately, I don't have fitness at the moment. <laughs> when you don't have fitness, you lose confidence very quickly. So I'm going to spend a bit of time on the bench so that I come on with a bit of impact. I'm going to try and get some possessions early before I fatigue, so that way I don't have to really try too hard later in the game. Like I did last year when I played, I struggled to touch it early. And then in the last half, I was just running around trying to get a touch so I didn't embarrass myself. But uh, look, the weather conditions will play a part. I think the ball will be on the ground a fair bit, which is not great because my hamstrings aren't that good at the moment because I haven't done too much work. But looking forward to it. It should be a ripper and hopefully everybody enjoys it. Do you reckon there's a chance that one of them goes twang tonight? Absolutely. <laughs> Massive <laughs> chance. My, my, I only did three little sessions leading into this game. And when I talk about little, I went down the park. My main aim was to get to full speed. So I did six 50-metre sprints. And by the fifth one, I got to full speed. I was happy with that. No hamstring. And that's all I've done, Ben. So I'm not the fittest guy going around at the moment. And what about ball work? Did you do any ball work? Did you kick? Did you hand pass? No, I haven't touched the footies yet. I'll do that in the warm-up. Warm up. <laughs> yep. And then, but you don't lose that part. As strange as that must sound, I think you know, I've always had pretty good hand-eye coordination. Now, I'll say that now, but we see what happens tonight when the ball is a bit slippery. Well, Hayes, we're all looking forward to watching you. We're looking forward to the double pistols when you kick the goal. All of our off-the-bench family will absolutely love it when you deliver it. Play well and uh, good job still being on off-the-bench despite the fact that you're in game mode, a pro, ready to play tonight. Thanks, Ben. Have a good weekend. You too. Thanks for your company over the course of the afternoon. We'll be back next week if Hazelby gets through unscathed in tonight's Legends game. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you next time on Off the Bench. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.